There's nothing like uh, church people. When you get them talking, it's the hardest thing to get them to stop. <coughs> Excuse me, but that's a God thing because we all love each other so much. Um, I know you were probably expecting uh, Bruce to be the speaker this morning, and he was scheduled, uh, but he realized a few days ago he wasn't feeling so well and suspected he might not make it Sunday, so I said, oh, I'll do it. And so... Uh, <laughs> Um, so if, if any of you are disappointed, I just um, would request that you just keep it off your faces until after, after the meeting, and I'll, uh, I'll try and bring the word of the Lord to you, which uh, he said to me, well, if you were going to speak, what would you talk on? And we were just driving around looking for pheasants to photograph, which is what we do up at the beach. And I said, I thought for a moment, I said, oh, um, how do we tap into God's strength? That's sort of, you know, what I felt God had been talking to me about lately. And he said, oh, I think they just did a home group all in about God's strength. I said, well, there you go then. So it's meant to be. So hopefully that'll give you some encouragement that there's something here for you this morning. And I do talk about him a lot, in case you're really missing him in the message. So, <laughs> so speaking of Bruce, uh, we were recently, uh, you know, talking over dinner and he, he told me a story that just really impacted me and I, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since. It's a true story. Um, and he said that uh, many years ago there was a, a family in this church who went through a tragedy, and I'm not, not naming any names or making allusions to anybody. So this family went through a tragedy, and some well-known leaders from this church uh, went to see the people, you know, to comfort them, talk with them. And um, our dear, wonderful Hudson uh, arrived also at the time that these leaders were there, uh, to bring comfort to these people, and he went into the house, and he sat down, and he opened his Bible. And these leaders said, no, no, no Bible here, Hudson, no Bible. And these were all Christian people. And so I, I was just gobsmacked. I, I said to Bruce, you know, if, if we don't have the Bible, what do we have to give anybody? You know, the wisdom of man, you know, my, my, my great um, ideas, you know, what, what do we have if we don't have the word of I said, I wouldn't have had anything more to give to them than that. And so Hudson, I loved Hudson so much, he got up and he said, well, then I have nothing to offer you. And I think, amen, Hudson. You know, and, and I know that we've all known Bible bashers. I, I probably, when I first became a Christian 30, 40-something years ago, we were sort of taught that, you know, when you meet someone, you have to convert them. You know, everything, you have to bring God into every conversation. And it's off-putting, you know, I know it is. Um, but that, that doesn't negate the power of the Word of God. Uh, though sometimes the use of scriptures we know so well can seem trite, their power and truth are not diminished because people overuse, misuse, or abuse them. Amen? Amen. Amen. And while there's a difference between people Bible bashing and someone bringing, you know, a word in season anointed by the Holy Spirit, never at any point should we be refusing to hear the word of God because if we can't use that to get us through, then we've we got nothing. We've got nothing to offer those people out there. I wonder what did these leaders think they had to offer that was better than what God has said. 
So the message I felt to share today, sorry, I'll try and move this up. I do have to follow my notes. I'm not like Jesse who can just get up here and just go for it, man. I sort of need to follow my notes because I forget what to, you know, all the wonderful things that I thought. Um, uh, so w- what does it actually mean when the Bible says God is our strength? You know, we've heard it a lot, you know, oh, yes, God's your strength. So what does that mean in reality when you're going through it? When you're in the depths of tragedy, struggle, heartache and chaos, you know, when you feel you can't cope for another day and God is being stubbornly silent, as he's so good at doing, how do we tap into his strength? So, you know, one of the dilemmas we face throughout a Christian life is where is God when it hurts the most? You know, and even Bruce and I have been talking about this uh, this week when he's sort of been going through some health issues. You know, where where is he'll be all right? Don't worry, he's, he'll be fine. Um, I don't know about you, but I've found that when things are at their worst, when you're the most desperate to hear from God, he just goes silent. You know, he's he's over there talking to somebody else. You know, over there coffee and getting the parking spaces and things like that. And it's like, God, I need you so desperately. Nobody can do silence like our God can. Uh, There are many verses to confirm this in a long history in Scripture of both God calling himself silent and his people bemoaning the silence of God. Uh, For instance, God has said, I have kept silent for a long time. I have kept still and restrained myself. So he does it deliberately at times. And um, people like David in the Psalms have said, Oh God, don't be quiet. Don't be silent now, oh God. Do not be still. Uh, God can be extremely loud. You know, the voice of uh, the Lord is upon the waters and the God of glory thunders. You know, uh, our, my kids were brought up in Arizona and I lived there for 13 years and um, They have just magnificent lightning storms there, and we had the roof of our house hit by lightning one time, and, you know, that's not something you want to hear twice in a lifetime. And, you know, the God of glory thunders, sometimes it's like that, and he can be very quiet. He spoke to Elijah in a small, still voice, and he can remain silent for hundreds of years. If you read the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, there, there were times like when God spoke to Samuel uh, as a little child. Uh, it had been hundreds of years since anybody had heard the word of the Lord. I mean, you think about that. How old is everybody here? I don't think anyone's reached 100 yet. Imagine if God hadn't spoken since the time the oldest person in this room had been born. You know, God can do that. So if you feel you're hearing from the Lord even once or twice in a lifetime, you're doing well. Uh, Throughout history, men have been, and women, have been perplexed by the silence of our God, particularly when they feel they need him the most. So I want to encourage those of you who feel that you're in a season of the silence of God and need strength more than anything, that those times when you feel You're as weak as a kitten that he is actually encircling you, that underneath you are the everlasting arms. He's above you. He's under you. He's around you. He's in you. He's in those around you. In fact, you cannot get away from the presence of the Lord. So how is God my strength? No matter what we're going through, God is true to his principles. 
God never panics and thinks, oh, they're going through this, so I need to change who I am and what I do. And that's just one of the great joys of our God is that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is utterly faithful. He will never change. So when he promises he's going to be with us, he's going to see us through, that will never change. But one of his principles, and you may or may not like this, I, I have, I'm in two minds about it. One of his great principles of kingdom life is that he will frequently use one of his other believers to come and bring us comfort. So that that may not help you right now. You might think, so I'm relying on some person to come, yes, to come give me a word in season to comfort me, yes. You're probably not going to go out and see the writing in the sky with the answer you're looking for. God uses people the people around us. So what does that say? It says we've got to be deliberate about the relationships that we build in our life and we've got to be careful about them because the wrong person giving the wrong advice at the wrong time can set, like particularly young people, you know, can set your life, your course uh, away from God. So there are two identical stories in the Bible, and I did a message on this a couple of years ago, but I really loved it. I thought it was really good, one of my better ones. So I'm just going to do a brief synopsis of it now. Um, Two identical stories that ended up very differently for the same reason. So there were two kings who got into shipbuilding for the same purpose to further their kingdoms, their wealth, and their power, you know, as you do. I was going to go into uh, building ships at some point, but I decided to go into administration instead. <laughs> so they both chose to build and launch their ships in the same harbour, which was the most important seaport in old Palestine. One man succeeded and the other failed, and the reason for the success and the reason for the failure is the same. So Solomon was one of the kings, and the key to his success was that he used experienced uh, shipmen who had knowledge of the sea. King Jehoshaphat also built a fleet of trading uh, ships at the exact same port for the exact same reason, but they never even set sail. They were wrecked in the harbor. And it said that um, Jehoshaphat, he was the king of Judah at the time, he allied himself with Ahaziah, the king of Israel, and it said the Bible says he acted wickedly in doing this. Um, so the ships were broken by God, says this in scripture, and they could not go to Tarshish. And so the difference between the success and the failure was the people that these two kings had allied themselves with. So be careful, deliberate, and discerning about the people you allow to influence you because you're one day going to need to turn to those people to carry you through. Uh, in 2 Samuel 23, 20, it's another, this is another great message I did a while ago, about Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada. Uh, Benaiah was a valiant fighter. He was one of David's men, and he performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. And there's just this one little sentence, which was just so amazing, which the message was based on. said, he also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Sort of like, 
Well, that's a bit random to say that. So basically, uh, the message was the lion represents the worst of the giants in your life. You know, not the little sickness you go through, but the big sickness you go through. The pit represents the worst possible place to face your giant. And the snow represents the worst conditions in which to face your giant. So pretty much as bad as it gets. So this shows us that Benaiah faced his worst foe in the worst place under the worst conditions. You know, just when you think, you know, you've hit rock bottom, you realize there's a whole other level below you. So where is God when you're facing a lion of sickness, financial difficulties, relational problems, grief, and loss? How do we get through it and survive? So what, one of the most amazing things about Scripture is that it never leaves us without the key. You know, it doesn't just say, God will be with you. It gives us the keys to it. Any account, parable, or command, that's the system buzzing, not me, by the way, in case you're wondering. I groan rather than buzz. Um, so the key in this account, am I holding the mic wrong or something? No, it's just the system. Okay, there we go. So the key to this account is in the name of the man in question. Benaiah was well known at the time of King David. He was a man of valor and did many brave and heroic things. Um, but there's more to him than just being a brave man. He's mentioned about a dozen times in Scripture. And in almost every instance, his name is listed as Benaiah, son of Jehoiada. I think we should be implementing that in this church from now on, every time Jesse's referred to. It's going to be Jesse, son of Linda. <laughs> I think it's scriptural. I think we should be doing this. And every time he talks about Archer and Bennett, it's going to be Archer and Benefit, Bennett, son of, Dina, son of Jesse, uh, son of Linda. So, yeah. Um, so here's the key. We've got to take both names, because both names appear in every instance, we've got to take both names into account. So what do they mean? Jehoiada means God knew, K-N-E-W. And Benaiah means God has built. So God knew that Benaiah would have to face a lion in a pit on a snowy day. So God built in him everything he needed to succeed in that. Isn't that incredible? So what does that say to you today with what you're facing? God knew. He already knew you were going to go through it, and he has already built in and around you the things you need to survive and to gain strength. So... Um, I often get to look after my very precious grandkids and, you know, we're out and about, the movies, the park, things like that. And sort of, you know, while it seems that I'm, you know, just walking along thinking about the popcorn I'm going to have in the movie and, um, you know, have I parked the car okay, you know, and the kids, you know, wander as they do, uh, their safety and well-being is my only concern. Even if I'm looking this way, my mind is this way, Where's Archer? Where's Bennett? You know, where are they and what are they doing? It's like even when it doesn't appear that my eye is on them and my full concentration is on them, it is. How much more is our Heavenly Father doing that with us in every moment and in every circumstance? 
this is how God is with us, his children, so much more. He has already promised that he will never leave us and forsake us, that he guides us with his eye upon us, and that is irrefutable. So just as a matter of interest, just in case you're starting to lose interest, God doesn't need a lot of words to make a statement. So the Lord's Prayer, you know, if you think like, oh God, you know, I don't hear from you very often. The Lord's Prayer has 66 words. Uh, The Ten Commandments, 179 The U.S. Declaration of Independence has 1,300 words. And the European Union regulations on the sale of cabbages has 26,911 words. You can go home and tell people about that. So here are six ways that you can hear from God and tap into that strength that you need so desperately. Creation. Preaching, the Bible, other people, your foundational beliefs, and hope. So I'll just quickly expand on those. So in creation, Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. You wanting to hear from God? Get outside at night and look up. They pour forth speech. Looking up can answer a lot of our questions and settle a lot of our anguish. Creation is continually speaking on behalf of God. Every inch of the natural world is infused with the essence of God. Creation itself is a message from the heart of God to you. So uh, you you can't talk about troubles and trials without talking about Job, right? So after everything he went through, you know, he, he, he found that underneath rock bottom level and then he found a couple of levels below that again. He finally got to hear from God. It's like, finally, I've got hold of God and he's about to speak to me. This is going to change everything. Are you ready? Here's the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Have you seen the might of the hippopotamus in his strong belly. Have you seen the storehouses where the snow is kept? Can you count the number of clouds? It's like, God, hello, is anybody home? I don't need to be talking about clouds. I need you to come and tell me it's going to be okay about the anguish I'm going through, about the answer. And, and God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And, and Job learnt this the hard way. Have you seen the hippopotamus? God is saying, this is the answer for you. Creation, look at it. You know, Bruce and I, we love watching documentaries. And we watched one last night about um, beavers. And they're phenomenal. When, when they went through the 1920s and they killed them all off, um, or almost uh, made them extinct in some parts of North America, um, the, the land went into drought. And they bought the, um, some you know, environmentalists, they brought them back in again, and now these fields are flourishing, there's lakes and ponds, all the wildlife are coming back. You know? I mean, the creation is an incredibly complex thing. Um, so, you know, you can, if you can tap into this, 
you can gain strength by looking at a flower. You know, I've got some flowers in my garden up the beach that it's just jaw-dropping. You know, they'll have purple in the middle and a bit of yellow around the outside and there's something else. And you're like, how does, how does the colour stop there on each flower? How does each individual flower, and there are hundreds of them, know to stop the yellow there and start the purple there? You know, when you start your thought processes going along this way, you're starting to tap into creation, you know, the creative power of God. And that comes in, gives you strength, gives you encouragement, like, hey, this is bigger than me. And, you know, there have been times when I've been the most down and out, you know, about the, the worst. I've gone down to the sea and I have just sitting there, sitting there, just sat there and just let the, the sound of the waves, the bigness of it, the might of it, and, and just to soak into me, to help me realise there's something out there bigger than me. You know, there's something that's so big it can create and control this, so it's got to be able to take care of my little problem. And so I think Jesse announced, or told you a week or two ago, Bress and I just got back from Alaska. <laughs> wow. You know, we, we've seen with our own eyes some of the mightiest of God's creation. You know, every corner you drive around, you know, there's another glacier. You know, after a while you're like, oh, yeah, there's another glacier, you know, whereas any one of them would, would, would just astound you. Um, and, you know, the animals, you know, we saw the whales and the bears and the moose, <coughs> mountain ranges just that go on for miles. And, you know, we often just stopped and just gave glory to God for what we were seeing. It's magnificent. It's so, you know, when, when you get in your own little world, it can become a bit insular. Sometimes we've got to break out of that. Uh, even if you just, you know, take yourself for a drive over to the wire wrapper or something. Now I was born in the wire wrapper, and um, I'll try and be nice about it. But uh, when Bruce and I got married, um, Bruce's father, who was just a real character, I just absolutely adored him. I met my mother for the first time and my mother was currently living, still lives in Masterton and he said to her, you know what the best thing about the wire wrapper is? And she goes, oh no, what's that? And he said, the road out of it. <laughs> so that was the, uh, but fortunately she, she loved it. But. Um, but once you get to the top of the Rimataka Hill and you can see for miles, you know, across the wire wrapper and these, you know, verdant valleys and, and all of that, you know, it's just, just if you need to break out of your own little world of things are getting too much for you and, and go see something else. Go up the top of Mount Cook and have a look over Wellington. You can see the snow-capped mountains on this end and sea is everywhere you go and you realise, hey, it's bigger than me. It's about more than me. You know, there's more to this. It ain't over yet. And if the, the, the being, the creator who made all of this, you know, you can look after my little problem. So uh, the second, obviously, in, uh, through preaching, God can speak to us. Uh, the disciples heard Jesus' words and then responded to them. So, you know, if you're thinking, oh, yeah, that's great. If you actually go out and go up the top of Mount Kokorimataka Hill, then you're responding and you're saying, yeah, I believe in... Um, not necessarily the speaker, but I believe in the word of God and I can go out and do this because I'm sitting here in this meeting this morning and I needed, you know, something. So I'm going to respond to what I hear and go do something and then you'll see God come in that way. Uh, 
some man by the name of Bob Goff, don't know who he is, but he said something great. He said, quit waiting for God to give you a plan when you know his intent, which is love God, love people, do stuff. Doing nothing will get you nothing. Do stuff. So through the Bible, Jesus said man lives on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Hudson knew that. That's why he opened his Bible for those people who had just gone through a tragedy. The church leaders who said no Bible, no Bible Hudson, they did not know that. And they both now profess to be non-believers. So through other people, you know, get people around you. No man's an island. You know, the, the whole kingdom of God is about community. You get around people. And if you don't have people in your immediate circle, then ask God to show you someone who's sitting in this congregation. And then just, just you know, there might just be like lovely Jill sitting over there. You know, I, I just, my heart rejoiced when I saw her arrive at 10 o'clock this morning just to come pray for this meeting. You know, I thought, if I ever needed prayer, I'd be calling her up, you know, because she knows how to pray and she believes in it. It, it doesn't have to be, you know, someone important like me up here, you know, being the preacher, you know. <laughs> oh, who's laughing the hard? I'm going to talk to you after. <laughs> I am joking. I hope you know this. This is my sense of humor. You know, no, it can just be a mindset that, you know, it's got to be the preacher who prays for me or, you know, the pastor or whatever or an elder. Uh, that's not how the kingdom of God works. He can even use you. That's how great God is. He can even use me. We have a great God. So, right, and now Bruce said this next one was uh, the most important one. He said, be immovable. Well, I said, but he agreed with it. Be immovable in your foundational beliefs. You've you got to get that rock under you. You know, this is what I believe, and, and nothing that I see, hear, experience, feel is going to shift me from that. Be steadfast and let all of your life be based on that and that alone. So, the, the, you know, the Bible often refers to the church as a building and Jesus is the cornerstone of the foundation. So, you know, Christ. In Christ alone, my hope is found. So there is an incredible and unshakable strength to be found from being rooted and grounded in your faith. I recently read that a Christ-centered worldview is like a raft that has, you know, four drums on it to, to hold it steady. Uh, creation, which we've just talked about. The fall of man, meaning the inherent sinfulness of people. Redemption through the cross. And he's coming again. Christ's return. You build your life on those four things and that raft will never be able to be tipped over because God promises that many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers them out of them all every single one David said I've never seen the righteous forsaken or even as kids begging for bread so align yourself with the core Bible tenets values and commands 
And unless you, we build our life on a foundation of rock, when, and it's promised they will come, the storms of life, uh, as they come to all of us, you won't stand unless you've built your life on those. So hope, <laughs> how do you get hope when all hope seems lost? Isaiah 43 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. It's just something that happens because you're like, even though I don't feel it, I believe it. You know, there was a song I think that said, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not moved by what I believe. I'm only, I'm, by what I feel, I'm only moved by what I believe. Back, that's back to the rock. Biblical hope is a sure thing, not wishful thinking. And uh, I, I have a little saying that Bruce said is, um, which I told him when we first met. He said it's helped him through a lot of his struggles. And it's just three little words. Everything is finite. Whatever you're going through, there's an end to it. Absolutely guaranteed. Now you might say, well, I'm sick with cancer. Well, then you're going to go to glory eventually. There's an end to it. You're not going to suffer. It may be in the next life or it could be in this one, but there's a guaranteed end to it. And um, you're not going to feel this way or experience this forever. And if you can't find hope in that, well, I'm just going to go sit down because I've got nothing more for you. <clears throat> so the, uh, I'm just finishing up here. The Bible promises that we get strength in a number of ways, and these are a few verses, the joy of the Lord is your strength, and quietness and trust will be your strength. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. So if you feel, where is he? He says, I'm there. Don't matter if you don't hear from me, I'm there. You can't get away from me. The Lord is my strength and my song. Caleb, brother, you are anointed to lead worship. You take that verse, the Lord is my strength and my song. And as you dig into God, you know, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And he's gifted you to lead worship. And you ain't going to be able to get away from it because <laughs> God, God doesn't repent of the gifts he gives. So as you dig into God, you're going to find you're going to be able to help people. The Lord is my strength and my song. The Lord is a stronghold in times of trouble. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. There it is again. He's with us, he's with us, he's with us. So finally, I'm going to share a verse that Bruce and I have both confessed. It says, confess your sin to disagreeing with God on. And if I asked for hands, there'd probably be one or two here. First Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation, which is translated in the Greek as testing. So no testing has overtaken you except that which is common to all, which is why we can comfort each other because someone else has gone through it. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tested, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So we have both told God when we're in the midst of various situations that he was wrong, that this is too much for us to bear or endure. 
Yet when we look back at some of the things we've gone through and come through, we're still standing, we're still secure in our faith, and it's stronger than it's ever been. So I made, I made a little list of a, a couple few of the things we've gone through just to see if this makes you feel better about your situation. So we've gone through six major floods, house floods. Uh, we've gone through debilitating health issues to the point where you feel you can't get up in the morning and function. Uh, financial crises. Uh, Bruce went through severe bullying as a child. Uh, he lost his first wife of 36 years to brain cancer, which all, about 10 years ago, which all happened very suddenly. Uh, we've lost one parent to liver cancer, another one to dementia, another one to sudden heart failure. And the one parent that's left uh, is my mother, and I'm sort of caring for her. Uh, she's gone through two strokes, a heart attack, and currently severely declining health. <clears throat> I also went through a complete upheaval of my life at age 35 uh, when my first marriage broke up and it all happened very suddenly and unexpectedly and within two weeks I was, went from living in America, <coughs> excuse me, with a house and a business, um, <coughs> sorry, uh, to being back in New Zealand with three young kids, 12 suitcases of clothes and $400 to my name and had to start all over again. So you want to know the first three things I did when I came back to New Zealand? I contacted a close friend who I trusted to tell me the truth, and she did, and I didn't like it, but she was right, and we got there in the end. I found a new church, and some of those people are still our dearest friends today, and they put us back together. They recognized that we were broken, and I went down to the sea and I sat there out at Castle Point and I just looked at, you know, the, the majesty of creation and just sort of realised somehow through all of this we're going to be okay. So that's just a handful of the things we've gone through and obviously we've known people in this church who've gone through, you know, different stuff and, and worse. And you know what? Those who have continued to trust in the Lord are flourishing. They're like a green tree in a barren garden. Others, and we've seen a lot of people, you know, who've walked away from the Lord, they've turned to bitterness, worldliness, and arrogance. But Bruce and I both stand and declare that as for me and my house, come what may, we will serve the Lord. So I, I hope you've gained some comfort this morning. If you're going through something, if you want prayer, hey, come up. We'll lay hands on you. We'll bring a word in the season. If we, we can, we'll stand beside you. We'll point you to somebody you can talk to, even if you just need a hug, whatever. You know, we're, we're here. So you're not alone. And what you're going through is not strange. So God bless you. And... Uh, We'll, we'll go head up the top of the hill and have a look at the wire wrapper. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, God. Wow, thank you, Linda. Who's feeling really encouraged this morning? Yeah, thanks, Linda. That was awesome. Feeling really blessed and encouraged this morning. Just thank you so much for spending your morning with us and for just celebrating and worshipping our amazing Jesus Christ this morning. 
And yeah, so let's go out, have a fantastic week, and may God go, just remembering that, yeah, God, our Lord, is our strength. Thank you, and have a fantastic week. See ya.